Welcome to the Hudson Huddle covering New York football. I'm Steve Titchener here with John McAlevey. And as promised, Pat Leonard, the Giants beat writer for the Daily News, joins us. Now, Pat, uh, Giants lose two in a row, but there's a lot to like about this team. And it's been an exciting season so far. Um, your latest article, you quote Daniel Jones, he's saying that no one is losing faith or confidence. This is a good football team. So tell us, you know, we haven't talked to you all season. Tell us what you like about this team so far. And then, of course, the challenges heading into December. Yeah. Hey, Stephen, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I think the Giants, uh, I was most curious coming into this week when they're playing really for a playoff seed in the two games against Washington the next three weeks. And I was most curious about, you know, the Giants have lost for so many years so often is the fact they lost three out of four reason for them to say, here we go again, or are they thinking like a winning team? And, you know, they said they're, they're confident. They're thinking like a winning team. And honestly, going back to the beginning of the year, I think the reason is it all goes back to Brian Dable going for two to win in Tennessee in week one. Now, this does not mean the Giants are still going to get the results they need. But to start with the mentality that they believe they're a better team and they believe they're going to win, I think it begins with the first-year head coach showing his faith in the players in that first game and living what he was preaching and walking the walk of being aggressive and believing in them. And so who knows how it's going to go. I personally think injuries may have caught up to them, but you have to be encouraged as a Giants fan because you're finally playing winning relevant football into December. And, you know, there's no reason to think the Giants don't have as good of a chance as Washington or the Seahawks to, to push through down the stretch here. Absolutely. And Pat, you, you took my first question out. How, how different is the vibe, not only on the field, but in the locker room and, and around you guys, the writers with, you know, Brian Dayball at the helm, as opposed to Joe judge. And also with Joe Shane, I mean, there's just the old saying, there's a new sheriff in town. And, um, you know, I love the fact that he puts these guys on notice. I, I can't recall which game it was where Daniel Jones threw that late mindless interception and he ripped him on the sideline. And, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the offensive lineman, I think it was Anderson that had a false start penalty on a fourth and one, they were going to go for it. And he undressed him on the sideline and, you know, giant fans have been wanting their coaches to do that. And it just sort of gave them like, you know, Hey, we're with you, pal. So, so tell us how different the whole situation is the whole vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, you know, the three main differences between this year's team and previous years in my mind are a little simpler, even than Brian Dable. I think it's Saquon's healthy. Daniel Jones is healthy. And then the other one, honestly, it's not Dable. It's the front Wink. office's acumen and ability. And I, I'm talking about Joe Shane, but also his scouting staff, assistant GM, Brandon Brown when they lose guys to injury, when they go and claim people off the waiver wire or where they sign free agents, they're hitting on guys. Like, no, nah, I'm not saying they're bringing in great players, but their replacement players and their scouting ability to find a receiver like Isaiah Hodgins or a tight end like Lawrence Cager or a linebacker like Jalen Smith, whatever it is, or Fabian Moreau would be a corner. They've just been way smarter and better and, and not surprisingly than Dave Gettleman's front office was at hitting on those. Dable though, you know, it, not to take credit away, I think Dable's biggest impact 
is that he and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale, those three coaches have been very good at in-game adjustments. And so the Giants have not started many games very well, but they have finished a lot of them well. And I attribute a lot of that to the adjustments they make in-game and that they see at a coaching level. Mm. I do think that is their greatest advantage against Washington head-to-head. You know, I think Washington's won six out of seven. Giants have lost three out of four. Washington's the way better team as far as how they're playing in the moment right now. But Brian Dable's a better scheme coach than Ron Rivera. Mike Kafka is a better coach, X's and O's, than Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator for Washington. And Wink Martindale is a better coach on defense, and Scott Turner is on offense for Washington. So, you know, you mentioned Dable yelling at guys. You know, I'm not as – I almost think he's a little inconsistent there with, like, playing like he's everybody's buddy and then streaming at people on national TV and, like, shoving his assistant coach on the sidelines. I personally – I personally think that kind of stuff, John, is like people love it if you're winning and they hate it if you're losing. Right. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Yeah. Steve? And let's turn to Washington, Pat. And, you know, as you said, you know, they won their last uh, six or seven, um, five and one with Taylor Heineke. How do you explain this guy? I mean, uh, he just he, he does enough. And uh, they're they're winning, and so they go in favorites in this game. I was a little surprised about that. I thought Giants would be slight favorites. Actually, Washington's a fight for this slight favorite here. Are you, are you surprised with that? Yes, dude. No, I'm not. I, I am. I will say I'm interested that the line started at one and a half for Washington, and it's already up mm-hmm. to two and a half. Yeah, um, which essentially means they would be five and a half point favorites on a neutral field. You know, Julian Love said it best. Uh, you know, to me and a few others in the locker room this week, he said that when you watch the Washington play, you can see a difference in their energy when Heineke is their quarterback versus other people like he, and he's absolutely right. I mean, it is, uh, it's one of those like it factor situations and, um, it's not always pretty. I mean, he makes one huge mistake a game pretty much. And, you know, I was joking with someone the other day that, this is going to be one of those games where, you know, Heineke is going to win for Washington. It's going to be a tie game with a minute left. Heineke is going to throw a pass. that's going to hit off an offensive lineman's helmet, uh-huh. bounce in the air. He's going to catch it. And then like lateral it to Logan Thomas, who's going to run in for a touchdown. Like that's the kind of team that Washington is with Heineke. That's the best way I could describe them. Yeah. They're like a team with Moxie. That's not perfect, but creates its own breaks. You're right. Now, Pat, you mentioned Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Uh, I'll ask you to look into your crystal ball. And obviously, I, I think that everyone believes that Saquon will be in the backfield next year. What is your read right now, 11 games into the season, on Daniel Jones? Do you think he will be back? And if not, what do you see as the contingency plan moving forward? Well, I wouldn't say Saquon's a guarantee, though certainly they've made they've made it clear they're interested in having him back. I, you know, John, it's the question of who to franchise tag yeah. is unanswered. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think it should be Saquon because the tag is cheaper for a running back than a quarterback, and you know you want him back versus are you still uncertain of Daniel? I personally think Daniel has played well enough especially with what's around him to earn more, uh, 
more looks next year, especially because, and primarily because, what are they doing in place of him? Right. They, you know, they've they've won their way out of a high draft pick. Not to mention that this quarterback class, frankly, in my opinion, doesn't look as good as we thought it would coming into the year. I I'm doing reporting on this right now, so you're you're right on the money with the timing of this question. But nice. I personally think that tagging Daniel and then, you know, either trying to find a way to get Saquon back on a team friendly contract or, you know, um, you know, with Barkley and Jones, both, I would say the asterisk is, can they stay healthy the rest of the year? And that's why Joe Shane has, um, is so different from Dave Gettleman is uh, not only his scouting eye, but he's kind of, he's ruthless guys. Like, huh. He's not gonna, he's not going to do something, you know, for a hometown, this town or, or, uh, or a hometown, you know, he's not going to pay Saquon like, uh, like Saquon just wants to be paid just because the fans want him to like, he's going to do what he thinks is best for him and his program. Right. Pat, you mentioned that, um, trying to put Daniel in, in the best light, the, the wide receiving core that, that he's dealing with has to be, if not the bottom, you know, two or three in the league. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, Sterling Shepard goes down and Kenny Galladay is, um, you know, has been in the witness protection program pretty much all season. Did you, were you surprised that they did not sort of make some over, well, I'm sure they made overtures behind the scene to bring somebody in at the trade deadline, but to give him something to deal with. I mean, he's basically got, um, you know, has been, not has been, but young guys. And as you mentioned, guys, they pick up off the waiver wire as his main targets um, on the outside. So we're really not seeing the best of Daniel Jones, I guess, because he's um, right. he's dealing with slim pickings right now. Yeah. I mean, well, first I would say that Dable, Dable misevaluated Darius Slayton. I mean, I know he had some drops in camp and he had a hamstring at one point, but they had him buried on the depth chart and he's the best receiver on the team. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what they were doing there, but they were wrong about that. Mm. Um, I mean, Sterling Shepard was the best receiver on the team before he got hurt. Losing him was a big deal though. I think if you expected him to stay healthy, that would have been naive too. Um, you know, they did try to get Jerry Judy at the trade deadline from Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what happened there was too expensive. Well, more like, you know, once word got out that he was available, the, the giants were one of several teams that were like, hell yeah. You know? And, uh, and then, you know, people with the Broncos were like, well, listen, but eventually they were like, uh, we're not sure if losing a player of this caliber is a good thing. Yeah. Especially once we just brought Russell Wilson in, are we going to trade out his best receiver or one of his best receivers from the team? So the Broncos just decided, Oh, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. But they did listen to the giants. Um, you know, and that's why, honestly, the Odell Beckham situation, that's why it's a situation. Ugh. I mean, Joe, Joe Shane is not, listen, Joe Shane doesn't, hasn't paid anybody. So he's not looking to pay a 30 year old wide receiver with two torn ACLs. The only reason this is being entertained is your, is exactly what you just asked. Cause they have nobody. The fact, exactly. That's yeah. the only reason. Yeah. I've hey, been Pat, So the, um, 
of course, the Giants' nice start uh, coincides with the resurrection of the NFC East, right? We're seeing what the Eagles are doing. We're seeing what the Cowboys are doing. So really going into this really tough December, are the Giants a playoff team? You know, uh, I, I have lost, you know, lost figurative money all year picking against the Giants. I mean, I picked them to win three games all season. They've won seven. Um, I picked against them in like five of the first six weeks, and they won like four of those games. So they've burned me a lot already, proving me wrong. I still will need to see it before I believe it. Um, I Like I said, I think they've had Washington's number, and I think their coaching staff is better. I think the injuries, especially Adoree Jackson, yeah, I, I'm not sure they can overcome these guys. And that, you know, so that's less of a comment on what I think of the team as much as like, Hey, they've, they've made some real good strides, but I just don't know, you know, Adoree might be out the rest of the year, if not until the last game. Jeez. I mean, are they going to stop Terry McLaurin and Devonte Smith and AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson and, all these guys without a Dory Jackson. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know. And I, I'm not even a guy who thinks a Dory's like a star, but he's better than what's playing behind him. Yeah. Um, they have a chance. It's basically the Washington Seattle and the giants for two spots or the Niners in, in place of Seattle. If the Seahawks catch the Niners. So um, I'm going to say right now, I don't think they make the playoffs, but I, I would say the main injury, the, the main two reasons are, Saquon suddenly is not going and the injuries have caught up to them. I guess what they're going to have to hope for is that the pass rush will uh, have to get home uh, more often than not. We saw some, some inklings from Kayvon Thibodeau on Thanksgiving day for, for a lot of the season. He has been underwhelming, at least for this giant fan. I know he's out there and he's working, he's uh, trying, you know, to get it done, but he hasn't really made it home yet to, uh, he he had the one terrific play at the end of the one game, the forced fumble, and they were able to win that game. Um, right. But he played really well against Dallas. I mean, he was all over the field. I have a feeling some of that had to do with the the national game, and everybody was going to be watching that. But they're luckily they're going to get Aziz Ojolari back. I'm I'm seeing this week, so if they can get a pass rush back in there, um, that will help uh, with the wideouts. I'm sure, as you know, right. Oh yeah. Is that Odell calling to say that? <laughs> yes, it is. It no, is. You mentioned, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, k you know, watching that Cowboys game, sitting in the press box in Arlington, I was thinking that Wink Martindale and the Giants were doing a more direct job of scheming him to the quarterback. And what I mean by that is like blitzing and giving Thibodeau away to go up against some of those interior linemen and giving him a favorable down to down one-on-one situation. And I thought it provided uh, more production as far as pressures. Now he still didn't get home. Um, I do think you're right that the stage is something that he craves. And he has said since before the giants drafted him, that the reason he thought he was a top pick was because when it gets to the fourth quarter and the moment gets biggest, that's when he's ready to play his best and they're going to need it. You're absolutely right. Um, You know, Dexter Lawrence was telling me in the locker room that he views these games against Washington as battle of the big guys. And he certainly is a big guy. You're not kidding. And um, 
and that's really what this is. Um, it, it's going to come down to who's going to push who around on both sides. And really, even though, like you said, the pass rush could be a big factor, I think it's mostly going to come down to the run game. Mm. It's going to come down to like Washington has controlled the line of scrimmage on offense with the run game and Brian Robinson and the giants recipe of winning their only recipe of winning is to run the ball with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And so who stops who in the run game? That's, that's going to be the difference. Hey guys, we got that other team in New York. The jets want to get a little insight from you, Pat on them. And let's just start with Mike white amazing uh, performance <laughs> against the bears. Now they were down bears. The defense was down a few guys. Uh, do you see it continuing it at Minnesota? You know, I do. Um, I think that's a difficult place to play. Um, I think it'll be a close game, and I think the Jets can win it. You know, Sauce Gardner against Justin Jefferson, I mean, that is must-see TV. Um, you know, Robert Sala on the sidelines of one of the loudest stadiums in the league. And a team that has been galvanized, I would say, not just by Mike White, but by not having to play with Wilson. And I know that sounds harsh, but let's just be honest, guys. Like, sometimes it's not as complicated as people make it. Yeah. You watch that post-game interview with Mike White with the guys jumping on him as Mm -hmm. Pam Oliver, I think, was talking to him. You don't got to show me any more than that. Yeah. And, you know, they do not want to play with Zach Wilson. They do want to play with Mike white. And I don't know how long they'll ride that wave, but I don't think it's going to stop this week. No, no. And you mentioned defense and Robert Sala. That's his calling card. The jets defense, uh, not only just sauce Gardner, but they are all over the field. They have a, I'm not going to say a super bowl caliber defense, but they have one of the top defensive units in the league. And so that comes and goes. I like to tell the uh, the basketball teams that I coach, the youth leagues, I tell them, hey, guys, offense comes and goes, but defense travels. And we're really seeing that on a weekly basis with gangrene. Yeah, no, you're not kidding. I mean, that's, you know, our uh, our former Jets beat writer at the Daily News, DJ Bietame, he was constantly saying last year when the Jets defense was not playing up to snuff, especially with Robert Sala being a defensive coach. He, DJ was constantly saying to me and anyone who would listen, they just need to get corners and then it will unlock the defense. And that's, I think that's what we've seen, right? With DJ Reed, who, you know, Antoine Staley, our Jets beat writer now, has been telling me all season, like that as much as Sauce has been a great pick, that Reed, as much as they realized he was a good player and believed he was a good player, has been that much better. And um, you know, the Jets ability in Salah's defense to have those corners playing as, as well as they are on the outside that allows Robert Salah's, you know, four man rush and their deep defensive line to just pin their ears back and go, um, you know, the attitude we were talking about that the giants need to have to win these battles of the big boys, the jets are a team who week in and week out, they're just a miserable team to have to play. You know, um, you know, are they the hardest team in the, in the league to play? No, but they're up there. You know, I don't think anybody is excited to play them right now, especially to play their defense. 
And we have you on for the draft every year, Pat. And how about the Jets draft? I mean, they had the picks, but they did a great job. Just start with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, Wilson. Will, Wilson could be a star. I mean, you know, with the right quarterback and if their offensive line, you know, obviously their offensive lines really sustained tons of injuries this year. And, you know, uh, losing Brees Hall was tough, but that guy's a you know, stud. Hall, yeah. I mean, even Hall, like if they can protect a quarterback who can push the ball a little bit down the field for, for years to come, Wilson's going to be a stud. I mean, he's a stud now. And, you know, I think we get, we get a little spoiled by the Justin Jeffersons of the world and the Jamar chases. And, you know, in some sense, the league has never been more ripe for receivers to come out of college and be studs right away in the pros. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you're just always going to hit on these guys. And we've seen plenty of teams try and then fail. And Garrett Wilson looks like that dude. I mean, he really does look like that guy. Um, and so I, you know, I think, I think him, Hall, Gardner, I mean, the giants were flat out going to take Gardner if the jets didn't. Um, and that's part of the reason that Thibodeau needs to turn it up now here for the giants too, is because as much as he was dealing with an injury early in the season, I mean, the guy that the giants were going to take, if he was still there, you know, he's, he's playing at practically an all pro level here. No doubt. Well, Pat, we want to thank you for your time. Appreciate you coming on for us. Hopefully we can get you on before the end of the season. And that'll do it for the Hudson Huddle this week. Check it out on moresportsnow.com. Of course, we're on Spotify and all the directories. So Steve Titchener, John McAlevey, and Pat Leonard, thanks so much. We'll catch you all next week. 